Welcome in. Glad you guys are here for the Steve Freeman Podcast. We are live on Instagram. We are live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. And if you want to jump in the conversation tonight, all you have to do is uh, enter something in the comment section on any of those platforms. So if you're on YouTube, you can put something in the comment section. If you're on Twitch, you can put it in the chat section. If you're on Facebook, I think you put it in the comment section. All of it is somehow in the magic world of the internet. It is combined and thrown at me on this screen over here. So I can see it. Sorry for the no audio for the first uh, three and a half minutes of the podcast. Totally, totally my fault. The the people on Instagram got it. So if you were on Instagram, uh, you're good to go. You you didn't miss anything. A couple of the things that I want to, uh, to talk about tonight uh, that I put out on social media today was passion and expectations. I want to get to that. Plus, I also want to talk about an article that came out on uh, uh, Billboard today. And the title of the article is Still Visible. Marginalized and stereotyped women remain underrepresented in music industry, according to new Annenberg study. We've talked about that before. We're going to talk about it again. I'm going to read portions of this because I think it's important. And and then I'm going to tell you real-world application. I've read the article like two or three times. It is absolutely full of BS. I, I don't, to, to me, I don't, I don't buy into these polls and I don't buy into the, the numbers and, and all. I mean, you catch somebody on a bad day and that can throw... They can throw a poll completely off. Not to mention, I, I don't know about you, but, but, but when I get those phone calls, I, I absolutely, I hate it. And most of the time, I only stay on the phone call so that I can say something smartass at the end so that to make these people think that they've wasted their time e- even calling me. But that's what I do. But first, I want to talk about passion and expectation. Because quite honestly, it, it's something that I have been dealing with. That's part of what I want to start doing on the podcast is, is not just talking about the things that you guys want to talk about and, and the, the emails that I get from you guys and, and the messages about what you want to talk about. Um, but, you know, things that affect me on, on a day-to-day basis. One of those being, and and I'm just going to, I've kind of hinted at it before, but I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and talk about a little bit at length tonight because it goes directly towards passion and expectation. And that is that this year, I, and I mean, it's gone on for like eight months now, but I, it seems like I have completely lost all passion whatsoever for the music business. Now, I mean, I've done it for 25 years. I mean, I turned 42. I'm not really good at math. Somebody that's in chat or watching, do the math here. I turned 42 day after tomorrow, and I started in the music business when I was 13 years old. So that's almost 30 years, right? And 
you know, I can gripe and moan and complain about, you know, I don't like the songs, I don't like this, I don't want to do that. And a lot of that's true. A lot of that plays in on my passion because I have to be driven by something. And for the last 25 years, I, I have been driven to accomplish certain goals, write certain songs, write with certain people, produce certain artists, and I've achieved a lot of those goals. But after achieving those goals, I, I about eight months ago, nine months ago, I started looking around and I could not find the next goal. I couldn't find the next step up. It was like, okay, what, what's next? You've done this, 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 and this. And I started noticing that my passion for the business, because I couldn't find that next goal, is, was really just starting to slip away. And I, I don't know about you, but see, I, I, I have to have constant momentum. I'm not one of these people that can just shut down for a few hours or a few days or even a week, even when we go on vacation. I work pretty much the entire time. I, I mean, my, my phone's with me. I've got a laptop, iPad, I, everything. I got an eye alive. So I don't ever really unplug because of the passion. So when I start to lose my passion, it starts to freak me out a little bit. And it's really happening, and it's, and it's happening very strong with the music business right now. About, and and I, I started seeing it come on about six to nine months ago when I started getting I noticed that I wasn't allowing my publisher to book rights, and I wasn't booking rights with the people that I normally write with. And I didn't want to. And I started getting text messages from friends and co-writers. Hey, do you want to you write next Wednesday, blah, blah? And I'm like, no, I, I don't. The last thing in the world I want to do is write a song. And that has lasted, you know, for a while now. So I, I have really, in all honesty, I have lost that, I've lost that love and feeling uh, for the music business. You know, one of the things that I, I enjoy that keeps keeps it going is this podcast and working and producing the artist that I'm producing and that I'm developing right now. I'm very passionate about those projects. But for me, in the grand scheme of things, it's like I'm, I, I find it scary at 42 years old to say I'm done. Because other than the, the choice few things that I, I choose to be involved in, I just don't have a passion for it anymore. And it used to be this passion that was there all the time. Like, it, I, I couldn't get enough. And now I'm, I'm, like, I'm like 180 degrees the other way, and it's like I've had enough. And that's a struggle for me because music was always that for me. It was always that mountaintop. It was always that thing. It was always achieving the next thing. And I don't know if I can attribute it to where I feel like the music business is today, that maybe I don't want to be a player in that game because I don't like the game. I don't like the product of the game. That maybe that's part of the reason. And that's why, you know, the, the few artists that I want to work with this year are, are by choice. And I'm not writing songs very much anymore. Like, I don't remember the last time I wrote a song. I mean, I mean I've maybe 
three, four months ago. Gilded was in town. I called Adam Sear, and Adam came over, and we wrote a song for their next EP. But that was that. that but that's almost a built-in thing. So, I wanted to talk about this with you guys tonight because I I don't know if you struggle with this like I struggle with this. And the back half of this part of, of having a passion is almost the detriment that we cause our own selves. And that is that any time we have a passion for something, right after we identify that we've got a passion for it, we immediately set expectations for ourselves. Nine times out of 10, we set expectations that are too high for the moment, too high for where you currently are, because see, that's one thing that we all have issues with. None of us, if we're honest with ourselves, see us and see ourselves where we are. We see ourselves where we want to be. We see ourselves having already accomplished those things. So that when we turn around and we have one of those hard moments where life kicks you square in the nuts, you're, it's, it's not that you've been knocked down several pegs because you were never there to begin with. That's the hard part that we have to sell ourselves on is that it's in those moments that we're forced to face the reality that we have not yet met those expectations and they are unreal to begin with. That is one of the most important things and we've talked about this before in in relation to social media. That's if, if you you guys follow me on social media, you'll notice I have not posted unless it has something to do with with the podcast. I, I post I don't post like I used to. And I, it's it's I post what I feel is relevant or, or what's in the moment. But I know for me that coming to this realization that I just don't have the fire burning inside me, anymore. And and I think maybe part of that is where the industry is today. I don't know that I can set any more expectations for myself. Now what I see myself doing in, in my career in the music business is I'm now taking those expectations and placing them on artists that I'm working with. So it's it's no longer an accomplishment or a goal realization for me. It's it's that expectation that I'm taking and I'm putting on other things. Like right now with esports and, and launching Guy Gen Esports. I am so passionate about that and excited about it that I can't see straight. I, it feels like a, being a kid again because that interests me. Music no longer interests me, really. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll notice that I'll, if I'm driving and I'm, I'm brave enough to turn the radio on, that I, if I hear something that I like, it's like, kind of miss it. But that doesn't last very long. And it's like, I because I, 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 I keep sitting down and I, there are specific things that I do still want to accomplish in music. I, I have been fortunate and lucky. I've written nine number one songs and I've produced 13 multi-platinum albums. So it's not like another number one is going to make me any happier than I already am. Or, or producing another multi-platinum album is going to make me any more happy than I already am. So those goals to me have been accomplished. 
So, but I, I look at things and I find things like the other, I started this thing the other day because I, I have been thinking and looking at social media completely different. And it's funny, this has all started back since when I started noticing that I was losing my passion because my life was 110% music. It was writing constantly, every day, all day long, either one co-write or two co-writes a day, and then in the studio. My schedule eight months ago was writing once or twice a day, Monday through Thursday morning, and then I was in the studio producing a record that was reserved for Thursday and Friday. And I just rinsed and repeated that constantly, constantly. And it got into a grind, and maybe I've worn myself down. I don't know. But, but that was it. But I started noticing the other day how much of, of that revolved around, I w- went back and was looking at my social media feed and was like, wow, you're, that was your life, right? Because if we're doing it correctly, social media is a reflection of our, of our, of our life in the moment. And I was going back over the last few years looking at, oh my God, I mean, my life was completely absorbed with this. And, and I don't think it's a good thing. You, excess in anything is not a good thing. So I think that maybe played a part. But the other day, I was like, you know what? I, I need to, I need to re- try to reconnect with things that interest me. And I did it. And, and I, this is, it's kind of it's funny to me. It may not be funny to you. But I got on Instagram, and I started thinking, think back, what made you do what it is that you do? What made you passionate about it? What drove you? What set that expectation for you in the very beginning? And I started going back, and I went, the first person I thought of, I thought of a couple people. I thought of Brian Adams. And I thought, I wonder if Brian Adams is on Instagram. Sure enough, Brian Adams is on Instagram. And I started, and I followed him, and I started you know, scrolling through his feed and, and watching him. He's out on tour, which who knew? <laughs> and he does these things where he sits with his acoustic guitar and he plays, and it's like songs from the rickety old chair because the chair that he sits in when he does this makes these horrible rickety noises. And I thought, how does a guy like that still have passion for, you know, what he is doing? And that got me thinking, you know, one of my, I always wanted to, to write with Brian Adams. Never did it. But I want to. And then that led me to think, you know, wait a minute. So you're not done. You've not completely given up or you, you, you've not completely lost your passion because there are still things that you want to do. Then I thought about Richard Marks. Love Richard Marks. Love those songs. Brian Adams, Richard Marks. I had the, the, uh, the pleasure, Rod Stewart. I had the pleasure of, of, of meeting Rod Stewart a couple years ago through my friend David, my best friend David Aldo out in L.A. And, and started thinking about some of the relationships that I have that I've been so focused on other things and other expectations that maybe I needed to be grounded and brought back to the reasons that I was passionate about music to begin with.
because I don't, and I don't know that I'll ever be able to reach the level of passion that I once had because, you know, part of having a passion is when something's new, right? It's new and shiny and it's unexplored territory. And, and everybody gets excited about the unknown, about what could be. Well, when you're on the other side, you know, and you've been in the music business for 25 years, you've pretty much seen everything. So what is there to get excited about? And what I came to realize the other day was that it's not accomplishments. It's not the number one songs. It's not the multi-platinum albums. It are those, it's those personal things that drew you to it in the first place. And this could be about anything for you. This doesn't have to be about the music business for you. It could be about streaming. It could be about your YouTube channel. It could be about your t-shirt business. It could be about anything in the world that you are passionate about. Maybe sometimes we just have to stop and we have to go back and go, okay, take all of the things that we thought we were doing this for and remove them from the the scenario. Take money, take respect, take financial gain, take popularity. I'm not going to say fame because I hate that word. And you guys know I hate that word. But you take all of those things and you remove them from the equation. And then you'll start to realize why you're actually passionate about it. And for me, it was going back and listening to these songs and remembering, I remember, I don't remember how old I was when Right Here Waiting on You came out. But I remember hearing that and my first thought when I heard that was, I I didn't play the piano at the time, but I remember I want to learn how to play that on the piano, which led me to want to write songs. I remember where I was the very first time that I heard Cuts Like a Knife. I remember where I was the very first time that I heard Everything I Do. I remember wanting to go to the move to see Robin Hood so that I could hear that song. I remember those things. That's what I'm trying to reconnect with. And that's what I would encourage you guys to do as well. Is when we find something we're passionate about, again, we place expectations. Most of the time we place expectations that it's impossible for us to live up to because most of us don't have the mentality, especially if you're an entrepreneur. I I love this saying, but it, it never has applied to me. And that is, well, if you shoot for the moon, you'll hit the stars. Hitting the stars was never good enough for me. I wanted to see myself walk on the moon. Not literally. I know there are people out there watching taking this literally. Not literally. So hitting the stars was never good enough. But a lot of times what we have to realize is that maybe, just maybe, hitting the stars is what we were intended to do. Maybe we weren't meant to walk on the moon. What's even a harder realization sometimes is that maybe we weren't even meant to hit the stars. Maybe we were meant to find ourselves along the way and in the journey. So 
what I'm going to start doing is starting to take things a little bit more personally and not think about them from a financial sense or a personal gain sense or anything like that. I'm going to start getting back down and and going, what makes Steve Freeman happy? What about this makes me happy? And when I find my passion wrapped inside those things, then that's what I'm going to set my expectation level on. And it's going to be hard because we as creative people, we, we think so much about the creativity and we focus so much of our time, effort, energy, and passion on the creative process and on the actual creation that we forget to put a lot of planning into what we do with it once we've created it. But the problem is, is that all 100% of the expectation level of what we create is all in that itself. It's not in the creation. There's no expectation level on the creation because I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we're pretty confident in our ability to create or we would be doing something else. The expectations that we place on ourselves come in and from what we do after we've created. And that's what we don't ever think about because we focus so much on the creation. So I'm going to try to do a better job. I'm trying to reconnect myself. I'm trying to tap into finding my passion for music again. Because I, to be honest with you, it's, it, it's painful. It, it's almost, and I will, I will, I've never been through a divorce. I've been through a breakup. So, I, I mean, I'll say that. It, it feels like a, a very, very, very bad breakup and that you're pulling away and separating yourself from something that you have been so close to and that you have loved and that that you've gone through great times and you've gone through horrible times. You've gone through times of, of fi- huge financial success. You've gone through times of losing everything together. And that's what it feels like. And I'm sure that's what it feels like for you too. Passion is is a very exciting thing. It's also very dangerous because, again, with that passion comes those expectations that we place on ourselves. And when we, as the creative, place expectations, most of the time, like I said, we 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 don't place realistic expectations because that's not in our nature. Our nature is, is to set huge expectations that it would be impossible for anybody to live up to, especially us. But I also think that if we are honest with ourselves, I know this, is, this was a hard thing and a hard discovery to, to come to a realization with, with myself. But I find myself most often finding the most enjoyment, enjoyment, the most sense of fulfillment in the journey, in the process. Because I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I remember when, when David and I wrote a song called Grace. It was the first international number one that I had written and produced. And... There was a lot went on with that song all over the world. We, we were very fortunate with it. 
And I remember when the process was coming to an end and the song had been out and it hit number one in like 47 different countries. And, you know, two years, three years, and the big checks had stopped coming and they were just starting to be, you know, littler checks. And you get past all of the credibility stuff and the respect and the money and you you start to get past all that. I remember sitting down and I was telling somebody the other day thinking, when I think about that specific situation, the thing that most excites me and that I remember the most and, and what really brings a smile to my face is remembering the day and how we wrote it. And if I could do any of it all over again, I would go back to that day in David's studio in Manhattan Beach, California, when we had this idea and relive that experience of that next five hours of what we created. That's what excites me. And I get excited thinking about that now, but the weird thing of it is, is that it doesn't, I'm not at the point where it excites me to want to call one of my co-writers and go, hey, you want to write tomorrow? I'm just not there. I have other things that I'm passionate about now, like the esports company. I'm, I'm, I'm freaking loving that. I'm loving this. And maybe that's what all this is about. Maybe all this is full circle. You know, they, they say people that can't anymore teach. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's what I'm doing now. Maybe I've just lost that love and feeling, and now I'm just going to teach. I don't know. We'll see. I did tell my wife the other day that I know for a fact that I, there are songs I haven't written. There are songs that I want to write. And I had somebody send me a message last week, and they're like, why don't you do a record? And you know what? It's a possibility. It's something I may do this year. I've never wanted to be an artist, and I don't want to be an artist. But I do know that I've got things that I want to say and things that I want to write that are not commercially viable right now in, in, the, in the music business climate that we're in. You know, it's, it's a possibility. And maybe look at doing it for me instead of spending what I've done the last 25 years of my career and doing it for somebody else. Writing a song for somebody else to personalize Maybe I can reconnect with that passion and, and doing it for myself. We'll see. I don't know. But that's something I wanted to talk with you guys about. I, I know I've been struggling with it lately. And the other day, I kind of, I, I, I sort of kind of stopped struggling with it because I just decided to put it down. And I decided that I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And what was funny is the day after that I made the decision that I'm just, I'm not going to wrestle with it anymore. I'm not going to deal with it anymore. I am putting it down for, for myself. I was getting mixes back on a record that I'm producing. And, I, and, and something has not happened in a while. I heard a guitar part that wasn't in there. So I, I was thinking, okay, I mean, I guess I could call Tim and I... Send it over and he could do it. And then a little voice inside said, why don't you just do it? And I did something I haven't done in forever. I came in here. Where is it? Is it, is this one in here? I came in here, picked up my, oh no, it's over there. There it is. Picked up my Paul Reed Smith McCarty and 
went in the studio, plugged in, found my sound, and played the guitar part myself. Of course, being the perfectionist that I am, I, you know, I, I worked on it for three and a half hours for, you know, one guitar solo. But that in and of itself also tells me that there's something still down in there, that I care enough to get it right, and that I wanted to do it to begin with. So all of that to say, I see people post things on social media. I see people on Twitter and Instagram trying to get better with Twitter. I'm not, God help me, I'm just not very good with Twitter, but I try. But I see what, what other people post. And I wanted to talk about this tonight because if you are out there and you're struggling with this, know that number one, it's okay. It's okay every once in a while to take a break. It is okay to allow yourself to release yourself from the pressure of feeling and trying to keep yourself passionate. It's okay. Burnout is a real thing. So if you're out there and you're dealing with this, maybe you need to step away. Maybe you just need to back up a little bit Find the original reason of of why you started being passionate about it to begin with. Find what that personal reason is, not financial, none of that stuff. That personal reason as to why you were really passionate about it to begin with. I think if you do that, you, like me, will start to see that maybe there are more personal and realistic expectations that you can set on yourself. Because I got to be honest, with the state of the music business right now, I would be scared to death to put an expectation on myself out there. Because I know what's going on. I know the rules. I know how the game is being played right now. I had a conversation with a lady the other day from Virginia about her daughter. And her daughter wants to, you know, maybe be an artist, but she, she posed the question to me, what if she just wants to be a songwriter? And I said, that's the worst decision you could ever make. Now, 20 years ago, not so. 10 years ago, not so. Today, I would be looking at a plan B or making sure that I had a very high safety net. And she said, well, I mean, but what if that's what she really wants to do? I'm like, I really wanted to fly fighter jets. It's what I really wanted to do. But I'm, I'm not flying. I'm not flying for the Thunderbirds. Because of where we are in the music industry, the major, for those of you songwriters out there listening, the major labels have closed their doors. They have buttoned up the hatches. Because sales are so low, and really revenue altogether in the music business is low, I don't care what numbers you see out there, when you talk to real insiders in the industry, everybody's complaining about the amount of money they're making. So I don't see how you can see all these positive things in print on one side and then talk to people that are, you know, on the ground, on the front lines, and they're going, "Ah, we're not making any money. I tend to believe those people over hyped up numbers. The major labels 
have are, are are closing their doors, not closing their doors and closing up. What I mean is they are they have walled themselves in. So getting an outside cut is is almost impossible anymore. When you're Sony, Warner Brothers, or Big Machine, or Universal, when when you're one of those companies and you have subsidiary sister publishing companies to your record label, it makes more financial sense for you to cut songs that were written by your affiliated sister publishing company. So, like with Sony, you've got Sony ATV, Sony Tree, you've got all of, of Sony's, Sony Blue, Sony Black, all of their different publishing companies, which all have staff writers signed to them. Same thing with Universal. Same thing with Warner Brothers. You've got Warner Chapel. All of those major labels have their own publishing companies that they are paying staff writers to write for. So they've reached a point where they're looking around and they're going, hey, why would we, why in the world would we choose to cut Steve Freeman's song over one of our own writers? Why would we share a piece of the pie with him when we can keep it all ourselves? See, there used to be enough money going around in the music business that that wasn't a big deal. Giving me, giving Steve Freeman a piece of the pie is no big deal. We're going to make millions over here. So sure, give him his little piece. It's not the case anymore. The pie has gotten so small. It's like half of a scoop at Baskin Robbins. That's now the music business pie is half a scoop. And they're eating it with those little bitty test spoons. That's where we're at. And it makes perfect sense. And you can sit around, you can badmouth the, the major labels all day long if you want to. But I agree with them. If I, if, if I were running Capitol Records or Universal or Sony or Warner Brothers or Big Machine, I wouldn't cut an outside song. If, if, if I'm the head of the label and I'm the one making a lot of the decisions or empowering people underneath me to make decisions, but my job ultimately, ultimately, no matter how many great songs are written, no matter how many songs chart, no matter, no matter anything, my job at the end of the day depends on the bottom line. Did we make a profit or did we lose money? When that is the basis of keeping your job, you're going to make those decisions based on financial reasons instead of quality reasons. That's why the music business is in the shape that it's in right now. It's all about finances. It's not about finding something great, whether that be an artist or a song, and using the power that you have to put that out there and introduce something great to a larger audience. It's not about that anymore. It's about finding things we can cash in on quickly because of what we've talked about before, and that is what I call the what's next generation. These artists are turning out songs every four weeks, and it will be sooner. I, I guarantee you within the next three years, artists will be putting out songs every week because that's how fast people forget. It's what's next. Okay, so we heard that one. What's next? I don't care to hear it again. I'm not going to listen to the radio for 90 minutes to hear it again either because I can get it for free on Spotify. It's what's next. So I get it. So I had to tell her. I, 
that's the worst advice in the world I would give my kid. It, 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 be a songwriter? No. I'm not saying don't write songs, but if you see a financial future for yourself in the music business, then you better be the vehicle for those songs. Period. End of story. So that's kind of where we are. And I think that plays into the passion thing. I think I look at that and I go, I, I just don't know anymore. I just don't know. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, before we get into uh, the Women in Music article that I, I do want to touch on tonight, I'm going to jump in here to chat. If you've got a comment or a question, uh, feel free. If you're on Twitch, type it in the chat. If you're on YouTube, you can type it in the chat or the comment section. It'll pop up. And same thing for uh, Facebook as well. Uh, let's see here. Geek Homer says, you need not to lose your passion for writing. In the stillness, you will create quality. Music is therapy. I, you know, it, that's true. Music, music definitely is therapy, but I'm also one of these kind of people. When you do it, I, when I do it for a living, if I don't have something to say, I can't write it. And I've gone through a period where I just felt like what I had to say was not going to be very popular in the room. That and or, I can go walk into a room and write this bubblegum pop crap. I can. I just don't want to. And I'm not going to. And that's what they want right now. So, I think maybe everybody's lost a little bit of the passion. And like I said, we've gone, we've, we have traded quality for expediency. Quality in the process, quality in the product. We have totally traded it for expediency. Mark Patton says, you are not done. You have worked so hard for so long that your brain cells have said, take holiday for a while. It will come back. I took three years out. You are overthinking. I'm definitely overthinking. Trust me. I'm definitely overthinking. But you know what? I think I needed a break. I needed a break where I had time to focus on something other than music. Because when I when I when you get to that point, and I don't know if you guys are this way, but when I get to that point, I start to nitpick and I start to find very negative things where there really isn't any negativity, or I just start finding negative things because that's the that's the filter it's coming through. Is we put that I'm kind of over it right now, filter up, and then everything has to come through that filter. Geek Homer says, we grow old because we don't create. Don Henley, very good quote. Um, get back to the heart of the matter. Strip away all distractions, social media. It's all out good stories. Amen. I'm all for telling good stories. It's just when you do it professionally, it relies on somebody wanting to hear a good story. Right now, because, you know, we the music business has been turned over to 10 to 17-year-olds, they don't care about a good story. They care about how the lead character looks playing in the story. That's tough to, that's tough to combat. I have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, and I just scratch my head. I, I don't, I'm like, I don't get it. I, I don't get the music that you're into. And then they'll surprise me. You know, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is like my daughter Chloe is, is so into Billie Eilish right now. 
and I, I did not know a lot about Billie Eilish. So I went and listened to some of her music and I'm like, okay, this is my kid. My kid knows something good when she hears it. And and I and I have to say, I, I'm not I don't wanna I don't wanna beat on the movie. But then last week I was like, I've really been trying to find ways to get myself excited again. So I thought, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch the new Star is Born with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. The movie was was good. I mean, if you've seen the two previous, I mean, there's some difference. But it was a great movie. Bradley Cooper directed his butt off. Um, I thought he was really good in the movie. I thought Lady Gaga was amazing in the movie. But I'm going to be real honest with you. I did not think the songs in the movie were great. I know everybody's flipping out over the shallow and all. I just don't think they're great. I think when you put one of the leading actors in the world and pair him with... Lady Gaga, one of the most popular singers in the world, and you're remaking a movie that was made one of the most popular music movies of all time with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson, I think that, that's a filter. So I think a lot of people are thinking something is great when on the, the actual creation part of it, I just didn't think it was that the songs were that great. I didn't think they were horrible at all. But it, it wasn't anything that just moved me, especially not when the night before I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. And you go back and you've, you've heard those songs a gazillion times, but watching the movie, you think a little bit more about the creative process because that's what they're showing. And you realize, wow, that's, those are considered great songs because they're great, right? There was, there was no partnering of the, the, the most popular actor in the world, the most popular singer in the world. Good movie. Love Bohemian Rhapsody. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And then the next night I watched A Star is Born. And like I said, great movie. Great performances. Amazing performances. But I think music was all right. It was okay. I mean, to me, if I, if I were the one, if I were Bradley Cooper and I were directing that movie and I were going to set up the music part of that movie, what I would have done is called Chris Stapleton and said, I need you for about six months. And I would have I would have just put Chris Stapleton in a room and said, write the most awesome songs you can come up with. That's what I would have done. But that, you know, that's just me. Um, let's see, back to... I'm going to have to flip back and forth because I don't think all this is coming through. I wrote 400 poems in a few years' time. Then I felt I had said all I needed to say. I stopped writing for some years. I found other creative outlets. It happens, absolutely. And you know what? I think part of the thing for me was because my creative passion it was also my business. And, and that creates a set of expectations for itself. Um. It, it was it was kind of hard to allow myself to have focus on another area, you know. But I'm I'm I think it's so important. No matter what it is that you're wanting to do, whether it's whatever, it it, it can't just be that. You've you've got to have other things. You got to have other things that you're passionate about, and and that that, that bring you some enjoyment. You you know what's the old saying? You know you can't. Don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of a thing. 
So I'm definitely trying not to do that. Not anymore anyway. I, I'm, I'm, I'm over that for sure. All right, one of the things that I want to talk about is this article that came out in Billboard today. And the title of the article is Still Invisible, Marginalized and Stereotyped Women Remain Underrepresented in the Music Industry, according to an Annenberg study. I'm going to read a little bit of this article, and then I will we'll kind of go off on a tangent here. The article says, Women remain shockingly underrepresented in key songwriting and production arms of the music industry. According to, quote, Inclusion in the Recording Studio, the second annual investigation into the industry by Dr. Stacy L. Smith and the USC Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. Released February 5th, the report analyzed the gender and ethnicity of artists and content creators across the 700 songs included on the Billboard Hot 100 charts from 2012 to 2018. And for the first time, the report included a, uh, a collaborative study with researchers interviewing 75 female songwriters and producers about their experience in the studio and in the industry. Among the key findings, on average, during the seven years, only 21.7% of the artists featured on the songs were women. In 2018, despite the hashtag MeToo movement and the growing conversation about women in leadership roles, only 17% of the artists were women. They also did a study about the gender gap at the Grammys, and only 10.4% of Grammy nominees from 2013 to 2019 were female, while 83.6% were male. According to the study, 73% of all women on the year-end Hot 100 chart for 2018 were women of color, a considerable uptick from the 50% the year before and every previous year in the investigation. If you want to crunch the numbers, it says women are missing in the music industry. 21.7 are artists, 12.3 are songwriters, and 2.1% are producers. Now, we have talked about this before, and I've I've not I'm not I'm not wavering on what I believe here or what I think whatsoever. The reason that there are not more women, successful artists, producers, and or songwriters, because here's the, if you go, what they didn't look at in this study is what you don't see a lot of is women songwriters typically, and I'm not putting baby in a corner, I'm just saying that most of the time women are writing songs for women. It, it's just, it just happens. So I'm not saying that they don't write songs for guys because I know we can all point to examples, but I'm just saying I would bet that 70% of the time when female songwriters get in, a, get in a room, especially with other female songwriters, they write more of a female skewed song. It's just what happens. The reason that there are not more popular female artists and they don't represent a larger percentage of the business is because the music industry itself is still largely driven by women. 
and women do not support other women. That's the problem. I think it's great that we can throw studies like this out there. I think it's interesting to see what these numbers are. I I don't know exactly who that this article is pointed to to say, okay, well, you're to blame for it. I'm here to tell you, women are to blame for it. By and large, women do not support female artists, whether it be because they are threatened, whether they don't like them because they don't wear enough clothes or they, what, whatever the reason. It's that competitive thing among women. Women do not support other women on, on, on a large scale. That's why when women do support other women, they are very picky about the women that they support, and that is proven in these numbers. That's why if you go down here and you look, only 21.7% of the entire industry are women. Well, women have chosen, we're going to support this artist, this artist, this artist, and this artist. We're going to support these five. We're not going to support these other 3,754. Women are the driving factor and the leading demographic in every single genre of music out there. Period. They buy the records. They stream the most. They are driving the economics behind the music industry. So, if the people are driving, they're determining where they're going to go. Right? So, there are not more successful female artists, songwriters, and female producers in the business because women don't support women. And I, I, you can say what you want to say. You can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm not. It's just a fact of the matter. Now, if women started supporting other female artists, then you would see that increase because I've said this before. If there's one thing I've learned in almost 30 years of the music business, it is this. Revenue dictates direction when it comes to music and record labels and publishing companies. If there were a high demand for female artists, the record labels would be out there signing every single one they could get their hands on that's even marginally talented. It is supply and demand. What the record labels don't, what the record labels know that this study isn't taking into effect is that they have a harder time selling females records and singles and albums and videos. Well, their videos do well, but that's another reason. It is simply supply and demand. Now, that being said, I do think it's sad. I think there should be more female artists represented in the industry. There should be more female songwriters signed to publishing deals. There should be more female artists that are being featured and played on radio stations, whether it be satellite radio or terrestrial FM radio. They should be. It's not for the lack of talent. It's not for the lack of having something to say. It's because, unfortunately, women are driving the economics, and women are the one creating the demand within the industry, and they are not demanding more female artists. So, ladies, 
I know it's frustrating. But you're going to have to start getting your other women friends to support you. Bottom line. I think it's a it, it's a very interesting thing to look at and to see the numbers. When I when I read the numbers that out of the entire industry, 21.7% of the entire industry are female artists. It, it really shocked me when I saw that 12.3% are songwriters and that 2.1% are producers. We certainly need more female producers. We need more female songwriters. I, I don't know who, it does not say who they polled for, for these numbers. But I find that hard to believe because I know a lot of female songwriters. I mean, I know a lot of male songwriters too. And, then, and when you think about it in that context, I, it probably is, you know, eight to one or, or something like that. But we definitely need more. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a greater demand in the demographic, in the industry, and in the consumer. There has to be a greater demand for female-driven product. So, so, hey, it's the same thing with TV. I, I have, you know, we're in the middle of award season, and I have the damnedest time watching especially when when women get up there and and it's always during like the the you know best lead actress or whatever and they take their time up there talking about we need to create more roles for women well i i don't know about you but i i i don't remember the last time i watched a television show uh a movie or anything that didn't have women in it I, I don't know how many more roles we can create. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Again, it's supply and demand. Why whenever, what's her name? She just came out with the, the, the well, there's two of them. Taraji P. Henson came out with that action movie, didn't do well. Um, Charlize Theron came out with her action movie, didn't do well. Because women aren't in, in millions going to buy tickets to go see Charlize Theron in an action movie. But they will pay to go see The Rock or Liam Neeson. I mean, for fuck's sake, how many times can Liam Neeson's daughter and his family get kidnapped? Yet we keep going back to the movie theater every 18 months to watch him go get them back. It's supply and demand. What it sounds like to me is that women need to do a better job of saying we need a supply and creating that demand for it. And if you do, I promise that a lot of what you're hearing at these speeches and a lot of things when you hear stories come out like that and they start talking about women are underrepresented. Well, get women to consume the product more. Get women to financially invest in other female artists, creating a demand that there be more female artists. And I guarantee you that the major labels will follow the trend. They will sign every marginally talented female they can get their hands on. And they will put product out there because there will be a marketplace for the product. 
They're not in the we're going to try this and see how it works method anymore. I miss those days. They are in the, oh, it's already making X amount of dollars. Well, if we sign it and we start promoting it, then we can make ooh this amount of money. That's the business they're in now. They don't build anything anymore. They don't do artist development anymore. They don't build things from the ground. They take things, like I said last week or week before, they jump on already moving trains. That's the model. So, ladies, if you are upset and you think that women are misrepresented, underrepresented in the entertainment business and in the music business, think about that next time Celine Dion comes out with a record and only 115,000 people buy it. Times not, aren't, aren't like they were 25 years ago. Find female artists and support them. Find them and buy their product. You don't even have to know them. Find them and buy their product. Numbers speak for themselves. If you don't want to be underrepresented, underrepresented, create a demand for what it is that you don't want to be underrepresented. All right, guys, I want to try to jump in the chat here. If anybody has any questions or any comments, I certainly want to try to get to them before we get out of here for the night. If you've got a question, you're on Twitch, type it in the chat. If you're on Facebook, put it in the comment section. And if you're on YouTube, you can type it right there in the chat as well. Trying to see if I've missed anything. I don't want to miss anybody that's gotten anything in there. I don't think so. Was this another one of those that's just too heavy for people to engage with? I, I have a tendency to do that. It's like, man, I have to start thinking about stuff. It's like, man, I want to I I go deep. I want to go heavy on that. And I do that from time to time. But I certainly, more than anything, appreciate you guys being here with us for yet another episode of the Steve Freeman Podcast. Don't forget to follow me on social media everywhere at the Steve Freeman. Like I said, I'm trying. Instagram is my thing. I'm trying to do better on Twitter. I'm trying to do better on Facebook. I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm. I will say that I don't know that I can promise on on Snapchat. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. And I don't know that I am going to get it. But also, if you have not yet done so and you're watching tonight on YouTube or Facebook, you really should check out Twitch. I am so excited about the Twitch platform, I can't see straight. It's twitch.tv, and you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash, you guessed it, the Steve Freeman. I'm enjoying gaming, I'm enjoying streaming. Um, I'm putting together another show that will be all about streaming and gaming and variety streamers and all that kind of stuff that will be on ex- exclusively on Twitch. We're, we won't even put it on YouTube. Um, it will be exclusively on Twitch. And I'm just loving what's going on over there, loving the community, really meeting some really awesome people from here in Nashville, but also all around the country, all around the world, as a matter of fact. So if you haven't checked out Twitch, do so, and I'll tell you something cool. You can subscribe to my Twitch channel for free you can follow the channel for free anytime but you can subscribe to the channel for free so that you get all the cool emotes and all of that kind of crap that I'm still learning if you have Twitch Prime 
you can tie your or your Amazon Prime. I'm sorry. If you have, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can tie your Amazon Prime membership to your Twitch channel, making you a Twitch Prime person, and then you can subscribe via Twitch Prime to my channel for absolutely free, and you get all of it. You get everything, all the emotes, the sub badges. When I put it in sub sub only chat mode, you're right there. Come hang out with us on Twitch, play some games, have a lot of fun. It's just a cool. You can find anything in the world live streaming on Twitch. It, it, it's it's. I just I I love the platform, and I'm looking forward to growing it over this year um, as well. Guys, we will be back next week, I believe. Yeah, I don't think anything's going on. Although, I, no, 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 no. Okay, we're going, the week after that, I'll be on a ski trip. Um, I'm not going to ski. I'm going to throw that out there right now. That ain't happening. I may try to attempt to snowboard. I don't know yet, but we'll see. I am going to take a few days off. That I do know. Um, and then day after tomorrow, the big, uh, the big birthday. It's also, it's dual purpose. My wife and I got married on my birthday. Um, so it is my 42nd birthday and our 20th wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary to Stacy. 20 years. It takes a, an extremely, extremely strong person to put up with somebody in the music business. I can tell you that she's done it for 20 years. And I can tell you that had she not been here, I would so, it's hard to believe. 20 years. Turning 42 and 20-year anniversary on the same day. Guys, thanks so much for being with us tonight on the Steve Freeman Podcast. Follow me on social media. Follow the Twitch page. Join up and sign up for the revolution so that you get all the content that I'm not going to be posting or putting up anywhere else. It's just content for you guys to help. This week was all about seven different ways to make Instagram work better for you. Check that out. You can find it at thestevefreeman.com. Guys, as always, keep being creative. Keep pressing the boundaries. And there's nothing wrong with being independent. See you next week.